And we're live here on the FanCran app. My name is Cole Nevins. I'm here alongside Shane Rich. Back for our Super Bowl review and off-season preview show. A lot to talk about here. Happy to be back on the mic with you, Shane. Mm-hmm. And in front of our great audience. So what's going on, man? Nothing much. You know, it, it sucks football is over, right? We recapped a great year. No games were canceled due to COVID, right? We made it through a two, what is it, 265 game season with the playoff games? I think around that, 266. I'm happy we had a season. Big off season ahead of us, right? Everything, the quarterback carousel, the draft, the Trevor Lawrence, you know, there's so much that goes into it, but I'm excited to recap the Super Bowl. Listen, the beauty about this sport and this league is that it's a 365 day season. There is never a dull moment throughout the entire year, even during the quarantine period this past year. There is football news every day. Whether it was major or minor, people found a way to talk about the game, and that's the that's the best part about it. So for everyone who is new to the show, if you want to join Shane and I live as a caller, all you have to do is press the green fan line button, join us on the show, come prepared with a question. We're going to be talking Super Bowl first, then getting into some offseason talk specifically with the quarterbacks because, you know, what's better to talk about than uh, the QB carousel? But come prepare with a question. We'll talk about anything. And hopefully we get some people on again. Get the get the fan line buzzing. And for all our regular uh, staple audience, we hope to see you guys join and talk in the chat as well. So I guess we're going to start off with the Super Bowl, Shane. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was quite the game. Obviously, we're not going to go and recap you know, everything that happened because everyone watched the same game as us. Should we do but, a film breakdown every play? <laughs> film breakdown? You want to see a film breakdown? It's Mahomes running with like a chicken without a head every game, every play. But It makes I me guess appreciate we'll, Mike McGlinchey. Well, we'll start from the top. Well, I guess we'll start with our predictions and we'll let the we'll let the conversation flow from there. So when I gave mine in our show, Shane, you actually were able to revise yours. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a second. But when I originally gave mine on the show a week ago, and I even had a show myself on Friday where I confirmed it, I said 24-20 Chiefs. I was smashing the under in the game. That's probably the only thing I got right about anything in that game, the under. But my intention of that pick was that it was going to be a defensive game. And I said, if Tampa Bay is going to win this game, it's not going to be because they scored over 30 points mm-hmm. on the board. It was because they're able to neutralize Mahomes, get the double-digit lead, and contain it. Because I said if they went up double digits, there's no way that Kansas City was coming back. They can't afford to make this whole big comeback again, which is why once they went down, I'm like, oh, people are in for a treat because this game's over. You know, they're not they're not coming back from this, unfortunately. And they got the momentum. They didn't let they forced the two turnovers that they absolutely needed against a quarterback that rarely throws turnovers ever. And of course, there are so many other circumstances, but that was my prediction. Obviously, it was wrong, and the Buccaneers put together an absolute complete performance. But I have to say, in hindsight, of course, I really underestimated the impact of the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line being so depleted, mm-hmm. especially against the force that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line. And not only was it lopsided, but it was absolutely game-changing. And that was the story of the game, in my opinion. They wrecked havoc on Mahomes the entire game, more than we'd ever seen, and they frustrated the hell out of him. And we've never, ever, ever in three years seen a frustrated Mahomes, a quiet Andy Reid, a stagnant Chiefs offense with no momentum, with no hope seemingly. It was an unbelievable thing, and it's just a testament to this Bucks defense. You know, we again we can talk about this the Chiefs offensive line. And yes, obviously that played a massive factor. But we'd be remiss to not give all the credit in the world to Todd Bowles and that defense for putting together an absolutely flawless game plan to win this game. And the Buccaneers were extremely efficient on offense. The biggest thing that they did was they capitalized on momentum. They built momentum and they put it all together and they kept it. And, you know, we always talk about the psychological aspect on the show, or at least I do. And, I mean, talk about a mental beatdown on that Chiefs team that's never really faced. You know, we, again, they've made these comebacks in the past, but they haven't been against teams as elite as this Bucks team. And this was the first time they weren't able to easily get back into the game with a, with a quick drive from Mahomes. They completely 
shut that down. And again, running for his life, he ran for an unfathomable 500 total yards through that game. And it was just unbelievable to see. So Shane, I'd love to hear your thoughts in the game as well. So I did end up changing my pick to the box. I picked them 27, 23. I did. I, I too underestimated the fact that this chief's offensive line was, you know, completely fell apart. Just one remaining starter. Steven Wisniewski was claimed off of waivers midway through November, right? Mike Remmers, I, I said it on last week's show, is one of the worst tackles in football. I mean, he's the Tom Compton of the left tackle position. I, I don't even think he, he's he's normally a right tackle, but they swung him to the left side in that situation. And But where you're wrong is, you. I mean, look, Todd Bowles scripted a phenomenal game plan, right? And that was to eliminate any deep shots downfield, which killed them in the Week 12 matchup, right, where Tyree Kill had over two, 200 yards and a quarter and three touchdowns. Yes. The Bulls' game plan was absolutely phenomenal, right? The way they neutralized Mahomes, he was under pressure the whole game. You know, last week, Cole, we talked about how the biggest thing for Mahomes is with the depleted offensive line, he's going to have to get the ball out quickly, and he didn't even have time to do that. And it's it, it's just credit to that Bucks front seven. And look, going into I think Biennemi and Andy Reid both knew, couldn't run the ball on this team. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was not going to get anything going on the ground. He had a 26-yard run, which was big. I think that gave them some momentum when the Chiefs were starting to fight back, but it was nothing. You know, Daryl Williams couldn't have had an impact, and that's credit to Vita Vea. But, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, I think he had two sacks. Shaq Barrett had a couple sacks. But you have to give credit to Devin White and Levante David. The way they, you know, I, look, Kelsey had a great game, and that's what we expected out of him. But the way they stopped him, right, whereas he was able to catch it over the middle. He was able to run flats and you know, create space when he was running routes, but it was ultimately their ability to just gang up on him and stop him. And when you look back at the film and you watch it, most of the time they were, they were leading, I guess you could call it leading Mahomes and Tyreek Hill on. They made Mahomes think that Tyreek Hill was going to line up in single coverage, man to man on Carlton Davis and James Dean. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case because they had Antoine Winfield Jr. back deep, who was a significant factor in the Bucks win. But Switching side, I mean, and that's exactly why they were, I think, one of the biggest reasons why they won this game. But look, Brady didn't have the stat line that, that I think we expected him to through the air, but you have to give him so much credit for his performance. And look, I understand he only completed five passes in the second half, but Cole, the fact of the matter is he didn't need to. He didn't need to. I agree. He didn't need 100%. to go and complete 20 more balls. I tweeted this, and I'm going to say it on the show right now. Bruce Arians did what Kyle Shanahan couldn't do, and that was run the ball and run the clock out in your Super Bowl champs, right? Bruce Arians unders and Byron Leftwich, who called a phenomenal game plan for the Bucs. Leonard Fournette, 16 carries, 89 yards. Ronald Jones, 12 carries, 61 yards. They knew they could get it done on the ground. They did that. Cole, we always talk about how football is one in the trenches, right? And that was the Bucs offensive line going at the Chiefs defensive line, pounding them. Look, Frank Clark made a few big stops. I know he had a good tackle for a loss on Scotty Miller in the backfield. That looked like it could have swung momentum for the Chiefs. Obviously, it didn't. But credit up front to the Bucs because they led this team, and it was a big factor in them winning this game. Yeah, 100%. And look, they controlled the entire pace of the game. They had a stranglehold on it in the second mm -hmm. half especially. And I Brady did not have to do much. And I wasn't too phased by the sideline. Of course, you know, if you go really into the first half, there is that one ending drive, which was the most classic Brady drive in the entire world, where he went 79 yards down the field without completing a pass and then threw the one-yard touchdown. But, you know, it's the ineptitude of the Chiefs as well. Look, I get they were ticky-tack penalties, and the trip was a little controversial, and then the yeah. end zone throw with the uncatchable ball. But the point, the fact of the matter was that they had to uh, set up in that situation to not allow that exact scenario to happen, and it did. And they capitalized the Buccaneers. They went into halftime with even more momentum than they had before. And that was crucial. But mm -hmm. I want to talk about something. I, I know we don't the, – the reality is that we don't know enough details about it. But do you think that everything that happening with Andy Reid's son this past week potentially had a mental impact on Reid's leadership and coaching and focus on this game? Because I'm not just saying that for just the sake of mm -hmm. saying that. But one thing the Chiefs were not able to do was make any second-half adjustments. It looked like they were doing the same thing, and they looked helpless out there, and it looked like a team without any leadership or motivation. And it looked like 
Mahomes is just doing the one man show out there. Yeah. The team looked absolutely defeated. So, and we haven't heard much from Andy Reid at all. Mm-hmm. So, do you think? And of course, this wasn't the reason why they lost no, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. But do you think it was a significant enough factor to impact this game? So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question, Cole. But I also want to hit on something you said about the adjustments. I don't know if his son plays a big part into that, just because I think the biggest thing was Reed. We the Chiefs are so good at playing from behind, right? We know that like they can come back from anything. They they scored 21 unanswered in six minutes get in the Super Bowl last year to win, and they did that against the to the Texans. They they've just they've done it before. We they're known for that and. I remember I was watching it with my dad and he looked at me and he said, the Chiefs aren't out of it. And I said, I agreed because I think all of America agreed, no matter what the scoreboard is, excuse me, the Chiefs aren't out of it because of Mahomes, because of Tyree Kill, because of Travis Kelsey, and especially because of Andy Reid. Now, his son, everything that happened prior to the Super Bowl, does that have a mental toll on him 100%? That's his kid, right? He's not only on his coaching staff. I mean, obviously, I, you need your coach out there, but Cole, that's family. That's his son. Right. And I I can't imagine that it's not going through his head the whole time that it's like, holy crap, I could go back to back and I could win this with my son. But I can't do that. And I, I and look, I think Andy Reid is a well-prepared guy. I think mentally he's a strong dude. It's, you know, everything that's gone on with him in the past. He hasn't had it easy, Cole, especially with his family life. But I, do I want to blame all of this on what happened with his son? No, because. Cole, their offensive line fell apart. That has nothing to do with his son. But the mental toll, yes, I think that plays a huge factor. So I want to talk about Mahomes a little bit as well. So something I tweeted out, which I found hilarious, is that I'm on Twitter Monday morning, and he's and he's being treated as the classic Monday morning quarterback. And now there's calls, especially, I mean, look, I can't take anything Skip Bayless says seriously, but he's out there like calling Mahomes overrated. And, and there's people like, oh, this is why he'll never be as good as Brady. And like, no. It is absolute, and this has nothing to do with Brady. This yeah. is just strictly with Mahomes. It was classic overreaction, recency bias Monday. But now I guess there's the other side of people saying, let's calm down, guys. Look at what happened. And this was not Mahomes' fault at all. Mm-hmm. But I think potentially, you know, the Chiefs needed a bit of a humbling, which they 100% got yeah. in this game. No, everyone thought of them as in this invincible team. Up until this game, they went sixteen and two this season. Mm-hmm. They were an unbeatable force, and they could, were, like, as you said, they were. Everyone thought they were able to come back from any kind of deficit or controversy. But we always talk about things that can motivate quarterbacks and teams, and this is perfect right here. You know, you want you want to take the positive side out of this and not call it a failure and yeah. calling a learning lesson. That's it right here. No team is perfect. No quarterback is perfect. Brady lost three Super Bowls. Mahomes lost one just now to the, the Buccaneers defense. No, they, they And Tom Brady. And Tom Brady played a big role in that game as well. So that's that's the biggest thing here. Super Bowl this MVP. wasn't <laughs> this my Super MVP is still uh, Todd Bowles in the in the Buccaneers defense. But looking at it just from an overall perspective. Is this the? Fu- I mean, Mahomes has had nothing really to motivate him throughout these past three years, except for maybe losing that game to Brady when he threw the interception at the end and uh, D Ford was offsides, and then he was shipped right out to uh, San Francisco. But outside of that, I mean, this guy hasn't faced any. He's been in the perfect situation mm-hmm. when he was drafted. He's had everything almost handed him. He's been had like super lucky moments throughout his career so far, including a game against Brady when he was still in the Patriots. I believe it was in uh, the 2019 season. I forgot exactly what happened, but there was one play that I think at the end of the game where they got lucky at the end. But he's been extremely fortunate and blessed so far. And this was the first roadblock in his career, and I'm extremely interested, and it will be a true test of his character, and I'm confident that he's going to be able to turn it around. But I really want to see how Patrick Mahomes reacts to this loss. I'm going to say this, Cole, so, and I talked about this on my show Friday, and what I said was, if the Chiefs win this game, if they manage, you know, to limit the Bucks' pressure, they can create throws downfield, basically Todd Bowles' script isn't what, what it was. The Chiefs ride out, Mahomes goes back-to-back, Brady only has six rings, I, I say only like it's nothing, um, right? And and we go into the offseason and the Chiefs went back to back and now it's, oh my God, are they the next big dynasty in football? 
And I think we can still have that question. I think they're still up there with the key pieces they have with Mahomes for the next 10 years. And I think beyond that, of of course, of course, this is a dynasty in the making, but imagine the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, but we're getting the scarier reality of it, Cole. And now they're the underdogs, right? I don't care what Vegas says or if they're the betting favorites heading into next year. I don't want to play this Chiefs team with revenge on a revenge tour. I don't want to play them angry. I, I don't want to play them pissed off. Look, if they win this game, they go off, they're celebrating back-to-back, and they're like, oh, we're going for a 3 P. And it's much easier, I think, in the NFL because we've never seen a team 3 P. But for, you know, whoever wants to creep up on them, creep up on them and beat them. But now they're playing from behind. They're the underdogs. The narrative on Mahomes has changed. Can he really win the big one against Tom? I mean – yeah, he had the poor Super Bowl. You saw it firsthand. He had a poor Super Bowl performance in the one that he won. Yeah. Until the fourth no, quarter. And, and so I, he hasn't he hasn't put together a really quality and, and Brady, to be fair, and we're we're gonna talk about Brady extensively in a second, but to start off his Super Bowl career and historically as a quarterback in the playoffs, he's been above average at best. I mean, he hasn't been absolutely dominant and spectacular in every game he played. But I guess to segue into that, the playoffs are a different animal. And that's mm-hmm. what we just have to accept, and I'm going to accept it. And I've I've done I've done a lot of reflecting on my Brady views, especially after this postseason run. And something I've realized and I've come to accept is a no quarterback is perfect, and we can't I can't just keep focusing on the negativity behind it. Mm-hmm. But b we saw it ha- we saw what happened in this Super Bowl and every Super Bowl. These yeah. teams are able to do ex- in playoffs. Teams are able to do extensive preparation in these games. And it's actually not a, a terrible thing if these quarterbacks, their level declines because everything is pushing against them. Of course, if you are the greatest, you are the best, you are expected and you need to step up and play at an over and above average level, which means to play at an excellent level. Mm-hmm. That's what makes you great. You can't, you know, in my opinion, you can't be considered, and you know, Mahomes has done nothing to prove this so far in these two Super Bowl games. You can't be proven the greatest or the best or the most talented if you aren't able to step up in these playoff situations, no matter the difficulty, yes, of course your level might decline a little bit, but it's unacceptable to go out and have mediocre performances. Mm-hmm. And Brady has had a bunch throughout his playoff career. But, you know, that's, again, people like to use that against them, and they say, you know, Brady hasn't had this perfect playoff resume, and he hasn't been dominant in the playoffs. But again, I guess it's a testament to controlling games with the Patriots when they were in the, in the driver's seat. And as you said before, not... You know, sometimes you don't need to put, uh, you know, pedal on the metal for the entire second half when you have a lead, which is why statistically it might be down. But for the most part, you know, specifically talking about Brady, one thing I learned from this game and one thing I finally turned my head around, I always thought it was cliche when people said, when people talked about his leadership and like, oh, he's a leader. This is why they're so mm-hmm. good. And I always said, you know what? It's more of because the talent on his teams and you know, if you have good players, of course they're going to go out and make plays. It's not like Brady's going to the side and saying, "Yo, Malcolm Butler, make a play right here, get this interception," and he does it. It's like, "Oh, Brady, great leadership!" And there's an interception by Malcolm Butler. Like that's what that's the way I saw it as. But really looking at it, I don't know what this guy does behind the scenes, but he is just able to mm-hmm. somehow bring this team onto a connected level and just get them on the same page and have this mentality to win. And of course, and I always say like, you know, obviously every NFL player wants to win. It's not like they're not trying. It's not like they don't want to be Super Bowl champs. See Allen Robinson going on Twitter right now. Like, oh, all they want to do is be a Super Bowl champ. Of course, every NFL player wants to be a champ. Mm-hmm. They'd be crazy not to. They shouldn't be in the league if they don't want to be a champ. So I'm not going crazy about that, you know, championship winning mentality. But Something about what this guy does behind the scenes in the locker room and on the sideline, which clearly I guess Mahomes didn't do enough despite making all these plays. Who knows? I, maybe we'll have to go and watch them mic'd up after this game when it comes out. But was Mahomes sitting on the bench like this the entire time? Or was he up getting in his teammates' faces, trying to get them going, especially his offensive linemen, mm-hmm. talking smack, telling them to you know get their act together? Yeah. I mean, there's... I I couldn't I don't I don't even remember I don't think they showed anything about Mahomes on the Chiefs sideline I know I think after the uh, Bashad Breeland what was it PI on Mike Evans um, I know Tyreek Hill was yapping at him for that because I, I saw that happen but 
with Mahomes, I, I think Mahomes is more stressed about his life on the line. And I, I know I may be exaggerating that, but it was so brutal for him out there, right? And you look, I they changed their starting center. I think the starting center was in, and then they took him out. And then and they he's playing him, with the he's playing with the injury as well. Him, but he he came out today. In. They put they him came, back in. Mahomes came out today, and he said that the injury had no impact on the conference championship and Super Bowl performance. But I think that's a crazy statement, considering we all saw him limping around the field mm-hmm. and you know playing his ass off through the pain which I have the utmost respect for him for doing. Of course, he's not going to miss that Super Bowl game. But, no, I actually respect him coming out and not making an excuse. No, I appreciated that too. And I actually, I thought he was on the verge of that, not verbally saying it, but he looked so limpy out there. I think by end of the first quarter, start of the second, I mean, when CBS zoomed on him and you, you the, the camera really focused on Mahomes, if you will, he was limping around, and he looked tired. I mean, I said it to my dad when he was walking out of the tunnel before the game started. I thought he looked tired. I, I And people could be like, Shane, what are you talking? It's Mahomes. He's ready. Maybe he's dialed in. I don't know what it was. He just he looked out of it. He didn't look like himself. But I want to go to the Brady thing that you were talking about. And obviously, we're no experts on you know his mentality and his leadership. But it's as simple as the guy is just a winner. And the guy will do anything in his power to win. And Cool. When you think about the three biggest stars on offense for the Chiefs, or excuse me, for the Bucks, it was Rob Gronkowski, besides Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, and Antonio Brown. Three guys that put points on the board for the Bucks and made great plays over the course of the game. And three guys who weren't three, on this team last year. Exactly. Three AFC guys. Three guys. I mean, Gronk aside, because Gronk was in retirement, but Leonard Fournette, we thought he was done for. I never did. Did you? But cool. Uh, cool. And I'm talking about NFL teams. Jaguars couldn't find a trade for him. They couldn't find a trade suitor. He cleared waivers. No one claimed him. It was until the waivers passed that the Bucks could eventually sign him. Cole, no one wanted to take a chance on AB. Russell Wilson advertised the fact, but Pete Carroll didn't want that. No one in Seattle wanted that. Tom Brady wanted Antonio Brown because he was fed up with what New England did, how they just cut him. And look, Antonio Brown, obviously known as the diva wide receiver, the countless things that he's done, the the charges, the demanding of trades. Cool, he ended up as a Super Bowl champion. I mean, who would have thought if you were to ask me two years ago, will Antonio Brown ever win a Super Bowl? I'd say hell no. But he didn't think he was going to get on the field ever again. Exactly. Cool. It's the Tom Brady effect. It's what this guy's. He was suspended for the first eight games of this year. Tom Brady had no issue. Tom Brady said, "Come down to Tampa with me." Gronk, want to come out of retirement? Let's run it back. Let's do it. Gronk said, of course. He put down the beers. He put down the partying. He suited up. He was ready. He had, I, I think, non-quarterback-wise, I think he's one of the five best players to ever play in a Super Bowl just because of his impact and the plays he's made throughout the year. And Leonard Fournette, I, 16 carries for 89 yards and the and the 27-yard touchdown. Are you kidding me? I mean, that guy went playoff Lenny. The guy went off. That's Brady's impact. And obviously Brady isn't sitting there. He's He's not hashing out the contracts for the guys. He's not determining. But he's making these guys money. He's showing them out, right? He's making guys comfortable. He's showing them what they're going to do. I think it's more of that they just want to play with him, which is just – he has this aura to him that it just permeates throughout the lock. It's unbelievable. And the, that, you know, you've really never seen it with any athlete where players mm-hmm. – I mean, I guess you can make arguments for players wanting to play with MJ and LeBron along those lines where maybe, you know, something about something about Brady, these players absolutely love about him. And, and they, they, it can't be, can't be ignored. They, mm-hmm. they fight and they continue to fight, whether it's pregame speeches or when he does his casual running down the field and says, let's F and go. Like, he's hyped up. You know, the, the mics, are, the camera's on him. Everything's on him. But his impact on this team, when his ability to go up to guys and if they're crying after winning the NFC Championship game, he says, stop crying. We have one game. Like, this is the Super Bowl. Six, there, cool. Six guys on the Bucks had played in the Super Bowl before. Only six compared to the Chiefs that had 33 returning guys that won the Super Bowl last year. That's the Brady effect. And look, Arians and Bulls called a great game, but that's Tom Brady's ability to lead his guys. And just think about the money some of these impending free agents are going to get this offseason. I mean, you can't tell me that Leonard Fournette isn't getting a $50 million contract somewhere this offseason because of Brady. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens on that end. But Arians is coming back. Brady's coming back. Gronk is coming back. Evans and Godwin want to come back. 
this whole team wants in again. And they're going, gonna be, they're going to be a dangerous force next year, and they can only add on because Brady doesn't have that super expensive contract, and we'll have to see what happens. But right now, and I've been saying this for a long time, he's aged backwards. It looks like he's stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. He's obviously getting smarter as the years go on with more experience in the game. The game, this is the, the craziest part about Brady's game. And look, I've obviously have this whole history of being this Brady hater, but the game just comes naturally to him. It's unbelievable to watch yeah. him. And it just, he, I mean, look, there's, there, of course, there's the play like the in the beginning of the game where he had seven seconds to throw the ball. And I, I made a joke on Twitter that in flag football, you don't, you don't even get that much time to throw. Mm-hmm. So of course he benefits from plays like that where you can just sit there in the pocket. And of course, if you can make a, uh, if you can't throw a touchdown with seven seconds of pocket time, either your receivers suck at, or the, the the corners are amazing or you suck. But I mean, uh, he, he delivers and look, he didn't make any super impressive throws throughout the game, but he was consistent. He didn't make turnovers. He didn't let the chiefs gain momentum and he kept his team in there. And I have to give him, I have to give him respect for that. So, um, I believe seven Phil, rings. I believe Phil, a uh, good friend of our show, is waiting to get on. So we'll have him be the first caller of the day. So see what he has to say, maybe concerning the Super Bowl or segueing right into our offseason talk as we're halfway through the show. There he Alan, is. How are we how doing? doing? What's going on? All right. So Shane changing his pick makes it a little less sweet for me. But Cole, I told you so. You did. I, I knew the Bucks. You could put uh, your LeVar ball head on. I know. I told I know. you so. He sent me that. Phil sent me that meme, the LeVar meme. I did right away. Great minds think alike. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I definitely thought that as the game went on, the Bucks defensive line would, you know, eventually take over the Chiefs, you know, backup scrubs. I didn't think it would happen as early as it did, and I didn't think it'd be the whole game, you know. That Super Bowl, I think we can all agree, was a little bit of a dud, other than the fact that, like you guys were talking about, there was always that that idea that the Chiefs could come back. They've done it so much. We've seen such magic out of Mahomes. Um, I want to talk about two plays and see what you guys think. <clears throat> so you guys were talking about how good Kelsey was. People forget Kelsey dropped a big third down mm-hmm. catch. I believe it was. had two drops. So correct, he did. And the first one, right after they stuffed Ronald Jones in the end zone. That third down, they, they got the big play to Tyreek to get him, you know, out of the shadow with their goalpost there. And Kelsey dropped a big pass where it looked like he had a lot of room to run. I'm not saying, you know, obviously when you lose by, what, what it was 22, there's multiple plays that are going to kill you. The injuries, everything decimated them. But that play's huge. Mm-hmm. You keep that drive going, and you get to throw a punch instead of, you know, keep taking the punches, keep taking the punches. What do you guys think about that, you know? Do you think that could have been a you know a big game changer? I don't think there's much to explain. I think you're completely right. It it would just be a big momentum shift. Do I think they win the game if they make that play? Probably not. But it was it, it at least would have given them some life and kept the game a little bit more competitive. And that's what they they lacked any sparks. They didn't score a touchdown. That's I'll bring up a stat right now. In in Tom Brady's last two Super Bowl appearances. His defenses have left a grand total of zero touchdowns in 12 points. It's, I mean, it's again, it's impossible not to win those games. You got to put up 10 points to win, or in the other case, you have to put up five points or four points. But, I mean, again, that does give you a little bit more comfort and a cushion in that way. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think people are even still underestimating how incredible of a game the Buccaneers played. Nine points to the historically dominant offense. It's unbelievable, and, and they didn't let them gain an ounce, an ounce of momentum. Not an ounce. No. Yeah, I mean, I thought that play was huge. And another play, again, I mean, this the Chiefs calling a timeout with 49 seconds left as the Bucks were trying to run out the clock. I, I mean, there's two ways to look at it because the Packers also did that mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship game, and we know how that turned out, right? Rodgers throws a pick goes downhill from there but I mean the Bucks were running out the clock the Chiefs the way I looked at it was when they called timeout I was like what are they doing the Chiefs had nothing going their way if they got out of that half down eight points with getting the ball at the half I think it's a different game again I think I said the Bucks were going to win I you know they they had that game 
But if you go down by eight and a half, you come out, right? They had that, what? I think you said, one of you said a 26-yard run to start the half, right? Mm -hmm. They were at midfield. The game, everything changes, right? Being down two or three scores is a lot different than being down one. You kick a field goal there like they did. Now we're talking about a five-point game, not a – I can't do math. I don't know. Uh, 12-point game? (laughs) Yeah. is hard, guys. Um, Football math is easy. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, I mean, a five-point game to a 12-point game, that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. You know? And, again, like I said, I think the Bucs were winning that game. Regardless of any penalties, their defense was dominant. Brady played well. I mean, the offense was clicking. Everything was clicking. But simple plays like that, you know, they did the Chiefs get a little cute? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, I, th- I think I expected the Bucks to do kind of what they did, not to the extent, but I think it's, uh, you know, for a little segue for you guys, I think there's a lot to be learned from this, you know, everyone having a great quarterback. I don't think someone's given up more than three first round picks for any quarterback out there, especially Deshaun, because you know what? You can have the best quarterback in the world, but you can't block for him. How about this? Matter. No, obviously they gave Mahomes the mega contract this past offseason, and people are somehow not mentioning that enough. Do you think that's going to have a future impact on the Chiefs that they're not going to be able to construct a good enough team around him? Or was it just the fact that their offensive line was depleted? I mean, again, this team was went 16-2 and two before this game. Like, they weren't a bad team at all. They just got neutralized, and they got a gut, no, they got a gut punch in the Super Bowl, like the thing that this team needed. I'll let you guys answer, but personally, I don't think that the contract is going to have too much of an impact on this Chiefs team throughout the next decade plus when he's on this 10-year deal. But, you know, you look obviously compared to Brady, who's taken a pay cut throughout his career, and it's obviously allowed them to build these teams. But, you know, you mentioned Watson. I was actually talking to some Jets fan on Twitter about this. And do you construct the team and you 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 take all these draft picks? Potentially, they can get a first-round pick for Darnold, which I just don't think is going to happen. But, even if they got a second round pick for him and they still and they'll have two first rounders and that and plenty of the build around, like, you know, do you construct your team from ground up like that, brick by brick, as they say down in San Francisco? Well, Cole, I think it's for the Super Bowl, it actually showed me no matter what the price range is, how important it is to have that top tier quarterback. Because and Phil, we texted about this. You make a great point. If you want to be a Super Bowl champion, you have to have it on your O-line, you have to have it on your D-line, and you have to have a consistent run game. Those are so important. You have to have the best team, Shane. That's I don't, it. I don't have think the best contracts team. necessarily are the biggest threat with this. And I think if the Jets were to go out, right, and acquire Deshaun Watson and give up three of the first-round picks you guys have in the next two years, per se, and you trade Darnold and get a second or third, if Joe Douglas knows what he's doing, he's, he's made a few home-run picks to me, Marcus May, you know, um, well, Marcus May was the previous. Yes, yes. Pre- excuse me, but Marcus May was a great pick. If Quinn and Williams, like you, you have these guys, right? We we know what Joe Douglas is capable of. I mean, he's fluked on a few things, but you get that franchise quarterback. Are you automatically a contender with him? No, but Watson brings in other guys, just the same way I think Mahomes has the ability to bring in cheap veterans. The same way Brady brought in Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown, right? So quarterbacks have that ability. You don't think in you don't think Allen Robinson may go wherever Deshaun Watson goes. That's why I said to you guys two weeks ago, if Deshaun Watson ends up in New York, don't be surprised if you get a whole ton of weapons to follow. Because that's guys want to be around players like that. That's just how I view it. And with the Chiefs call, I don't think that that's an issue because Sammy Watkins is entering free agency. That's money they don't have to spend on him. They're not retaining him. They haven't given up any draft capital for anything. At least, you know, they're keeping everything for the next few years. They have their core. They have draft capital. Rookies are cheap. I I don't see it affecting them. They definitely need a number two receiver, by the way. That should be one of their priorities for this offseason. But, you know, with the Jets, I agree. I think that you have to go – I mean, look, I don't think you get four first-round picks for Watson. I actually – uh, going back to our, one of our conversations from a few weeks ago, I, I would try not to give up um, Quinton Williams as well, as I'm really excited to see what he does in Robert Sala's defense. But Watson brings another level to this team. And as I mentioned briefly before, the the Super Bowl champion is the best constructed team. It's not a matter of like, you know, oh, do you need a good quarterback to win? Oh, do you need a good defense to win, a good offense? 
the best team, the best constructed team is going to win the Super Bowl every year. That's the last man standing. Teams don't accidentally win Super Bowls. No, you may have thought uh, a month ago that there was no chance that Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to win, but we quickly found out that they had a perfectly constructed team. They had a game-managing quarterback, elite receivers, a great offensive line, an elite defensive line, and a, a linebacking core that really stepped up in the playoffs and a secondary that played really well in special teams that didn't mess up much and a great coaching staff. That's the formula to a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you summed it up well. I think you know, I think looking back on it again, you know, you, you said it earlier, hindsight's twenty twenty, but the Chiefs messed up drafting Edward Hilaire. Wow. Now, yeah, That's I, a I, take. It's a take. Now, obviously, again, the line depleted, but let's take a look. Fournette, Le'Veon Bell, these are guys that were on the both teams. You're always going to be able to find a running back. Whoever it is, you know, late round or look at this you know, two starting running backs in last year's Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Raheem Mostert and, and Damien Williams. And William, Damien Williams opted out, correct? Yeah, he didn't play this season. Yeah. You know, and I was actually talking to my dad about it, and he said, "Man, you know, the Jaguars giving up Fournette. The Jaguars would do it again in a heartbeat because they have James Robinson, who had you know he could have been a rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I." Most replaceable say, position in football. What? It's the most replaceable position in football. It's yeah. actually it's not a debate. It's yeah. the most probably the most replaceable position in sports. It's unfortunate because they're ultra talented athletes and players, but there's the reality is that their life their their career lifespan is very short. They take the most wear and tear out of any athlete out there. And yeah. they're so they're such a big crop of talent, especially in this upcoming draft. We've seen the, the failures of paying running backs. It, I mean, outside of Derrick Henry, it, I mean, who... But again, even him. Playoff game, completely shut down. You can't build a team around a running back anymore. This is not 1980 anymore. Nope. And Cole, that's why I, I always believe in you win with a committee. You win with two or three guys, maybe even a fourth, that can go in at any certain time and tear it up. Like in New I England just, over the, past, over the look, dynasty. The, the How Bucks, many guys they brought in? The Bucks did it with two, but I I mean, not to go too in-depth, but I, if you put Keyshawn Vaughn in there, right, the rookie out of Vanderbilt, if you put him in there, or Appalachian State, or no, Vanderbilt, if you put him in there, he could have torn it up. I mean, it's it's just the guys they have. LaShawn McCoy didn't get any time, but if he's in there, he's going to have an impact. It's it's just the four guys. It's cheap deals. I they, I think you win with a committee. Yeah, look what the Patriots did throughout their dynasty. Yeah, you can you can make a, a laundry list of running backs on that team, from James White to Garrett Blunt to Danny Woodhead. Like it goes down the entire list. But all these guys were in and out of that door. I mean, there was always the running joke that Belichick would produce a, like a a two hundred plus yard rusher every season in one game. Like there was um, who was that one guy? Jonas Gray. Like Jonas Gray, who had. Like the tour, and there was like Jonas Gray, and then like you no, know, they bring in um Mike Gillisley, right? yeah, Mike Gillisley, and, and Burkhead, and like they had this whole list, and like it was a revolving door, but they were always effective because he had this incredible offensive line, and even better, once those guys left, like a guy like Trent Brown or um who or Soldier who went to uh, the Giants, they replaced them, and that's that's the beauty, and I guess. Phil, I guess you can be a part of this conversation because I completely forgot to mention it earlier in the show and I really wanted to talk about it. Bill Belichick, a guy who was getting slandered on Twitter after this game for no reason. People are at, like Skip Bayless, again, that's what I was referring to earlier when I'm talking about so not to trust anything. He comes on the show and is slandering Bill Belichick as if the last two decades were just completely erased from history. It infuriates me. Can we live in a world where Brady and Belichick are both legendary? Yes, of course we can. Why, why can't we live in that world? It, it, I mean, Brady left this Patriots team when they were about to crumble. Not because of Belichick, because that was just... And people laughed at Belichick earlier in the season when he said the reason why they're not having as much success is that they were fighting against the salary cap and they had a lot of people move and a lot of moving pieces. And people laughed like, oh, that's such an excuse. But it's the reality. This team was getting depleted. And they had to make a last-minute move for a quarterback. And now they're going to actually have this offseason to go and evaluate the right way and not have to rush it, seeing what happened with Brady. I think they could have been a little bit more prepared. But, you know, I don't think Belichick went to this season thinking that they were going to go 10-6. and 6. 
This was they were and they had all those guys opt out as well. Not a lot of veteran presence and a terrible quarterback in Cam Newton. Seven to nine, I mean, was was exactly what this team looked like. And this Bill Belichick slander is 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 terrible. And I just don't understand why people know all of a sudden Brady has one good season on an elite team. And again, this is not Brady slander. It's just the fact that the Buccaneers aren't as we just talked about. They're a perfectly constructed team, and and now that's now that's anti Belichick, and it's going against him. Like, oh, you know, you knew it was all Brady the whole time. No, it was both of them. Let me ask Phil this because I want to go back to something he said. You had the take that the Chiefs shouldn't have drafted Hilaire. Now I know you're a draft guy and you like to follow this stuff closely. If you're the Chiefs, obviously we didn't know what was going to happen to the O line. You know, with the Eric Fisher being hurt, Mitchell Schwartz being hurt, just there, no one, right? One starter out of five. Um, where do you think they go if they're not picking Hilaire? Because we both agree that you can find running backs anywhere. I mean, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I could sit here and say offensive tackle mm-hmm. um, or interior line. I mean, I think the main knock that everyone had on them was their defense. And now their defense played well this year. Uh, they got the – what's that guy's name? Legarius Sneed. Uh, yeah, who we, we haven't even mentioned. He's a stud. I mean, he was phenomenal. And he was – what, was he even drafted or was he in – Late round pick. Late I think round fourth pick? or fifth yeah. round. So, I mean, obviously I could sit there and say that. Um, I don't know. I just I, – I can't justify drafting a running back in the first round. If I were to have, again, biasy here, big Badger fan, Jonathan Taylor, he's the man. <laughs> but um, I don't – you know, I don't know. When they made that pick, it seemed right. Again, they were in the, you know, they're in the honeymoon phase. All was right in the world. They came into this year in the honeymoon phase and they destroyed the league. So, I mean, personally, again, you, we talked about it. Jalen Johnson, there we go. Um, but you, you win with, with a line. So I would say, you know, who I don't, it's tough to go yeah. back and remember you know, who was there, but I know uh, what's his face. I think Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston was there. in there. Um, you know, I don't again. I don't really know how he did this year, but a guy like that, even if you don't, even if he's not an every down guy, a rotation guy, you work in because again, we we knew they knew they were going to have to pay Mahomes. They knew they were going to have to pay Chris Jones. You know, they're already paying Tyreek. You got to get guys that you can work into the system Agreed. that you're you're paying cheaper rather because once these contracts are up, you can't pay everyone. You know, there's not it's not baseball where there's you know no salary cap, so. Do you want to get back into that Belichick conversation? He's the man. I mean, I first of all, this year was the first year that I've gone without hating Brady. Hold on, guys. Let me log out of class real quick. Just get it. Yeah. Productive <laughs> college class there. Priority. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with you, Cole, completely. Uh, Brady, Brady was awesome, but to sit here and say uh, Bill was, you know, Brady carried Bill Br- – no, because let's look back a few years ago. Everyone was saying, oh, the defense was helping Brady. The defense that's, that's, won that's a Super Bowl Brady. 13 to 3. I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I, I don't think any of the hate towards Bill is warranted. I would love to hate on Bill as a Jets fan after he, he did us dirty um, and just ruined our, you know, our fandom for the past 15 years. But I mean, to sit here and slander him or slander Brady and say one or the other, I think you're right. You, you have to praise both of them. They were both awesome, you know, both responsible for all the winning that they did. And, again, I think you're right. I think, you know, not to get into the draft here, I think the Patriots go out and get Mac Jones. Agreed. And I I think they, you know, they're right in the discussion for winning, it, you know, winning the division next year or getting a wild card spot. And who knows, if the Jets get Watson, we may have – four teams competing for a playoff spot next year. So, Cole, I and you bring up Mac Jones. I know we want to do this, Cole. Should we keep Phil on and move into our quarterback carousel? I have a list of names right here that I well, can throw at you guys. Hold on. Um, For anyone out there in the crap, Phil, all love men. You know, this is a great segment so far, <laughs> but if anyone's out there that needs to get anything out, wants to join the fan line for a bit, just make sure you click that green fan line button. And we can potentially get you in the room. I know Phil's getting a lot of uh, feature time right now, <laughs> but um, if anyone has anything Our to injury. say, no. <laughs> see the next when, when you're fighting uh, Conseco. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, so we have David Perez, actually a draft expert, coming in. But 
All right, Phil, we're going to keep you on for a few more minutes, and then we're going to add David to the show. And he's a draft expert, so we'll hear from him, especially on this topic of uh, quarterbacks. But, Sheen, I believe you had a question for him. Well, I'm going to throw a couple names at, at you guys. And I just – I want – I'll give – I'll give Phil the rookies, and I'll give Cole some of the veterans. Okay. We're going to go back and forth. Yeah, we'll go for a few minutes, and we'll add on David. All right, Cole. Sam Darnold. This is so hard, man. Right now, it's trending towards Washington, but I'd rather see him on a veteran team. Okay. Uh, I mean, you you mentioned Pittsburgh before. I think that would be interesting. I think – How about this? I think Pittsburgh needs before – I think Tomlin would be all over his ass and and get get him straight. But also, I think that they need to force Ben Roethlisberger out of Pittsburgh, and he, they can't afford to have him back. I think they need to force him to retire. So Phil already said Mac Jones. I agree. I think he's going to be a Patriot. How about Zach Wilson, Phil? New York, New York Jets. Jets. So that okay, that's a good feed off. Cole Deshaun Watson. Oh, this is so hard right now. I don't even know. I Houston. heard Oak. I heard Oakland's in the race. No, it's, he's not going. You mean to Vegas? Head. Oakland. Vegas. Vegas, yeah. By the way, if anyone did not watch uh, the Al Davis versus the NFL documentary, phenomenal job by 30 for 30 as always. You know, one of the few bright spots of ESPN right now, something that stayed consistent through everything. Um, wonderful documentary talking about the, the Raiders, but yes, the Vegas Raiders. I'm a firm believer, I've said this many times, that, John, uh, that Gruden and Carr do not get along. And I think Oakland, uh, Oakland, Jesus. I think Vegas would be an interesting fit for him, but we'll have to see with Watson. He's the ultimate mild card right now. Justin Fields, Phil. Miami Dolphins. Wow. Wow. Okay. I think I think Tua is hot trash. <laughs> That's my take. Uh, I'll, I'll let uh, the draft expert come on. He can feed off what I <laughs> what I leave you with that that catastrophic bomb. There we go. That's a great uh, way to. I end think it. they should trade Tua too. Doesn't have a Super Bowl ceiling. This is a team that needs. So in the coming and right. capitalize right now. So I, I I agree with you. I don't think he's hot garbage, but I think he's just not the right quarterback for this team. Mullins As always, straight up. Thank you so much for coming on, and we will look to see you uh, next week. See Thank you guys for having me. Pleasure. See you guys. All right, we're gonna kick it off again with uh, David coming on right now. Big draft guy himself does a lot of studying, has a future in the field, and we'll see what he has to say. So uh, he'll be on in a second. There he is. What's going on, man? What's going on? Oh, connection issues. Yeah. It's frozen right now, and he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Out of here. Wait. Is it? No. I don't. I'm in technical difficulties right now. Uh, Do we have any read on... uh, David's draft stock right now. Is, is he going to be up there? Nope. And I mean, if, if teams are looking at him and he has to join Zoom meetings, that might be a little tough <laughs> out of the combine. But oh, the, All right. We're, we're hearing that we'll get him back. So in the meantime, we'll just continue our com- conversation. We got uh, around 12 minutes left in this show. I'm trying to think of what topic is now. Oh, how about this? Carson Wentz or Trey might be going down. Oh, to, we I mean, should. Yeah, we should. Probably him. potentially tonight, tomorrow, the day after. Um. What's your favorite spot for him? It's hearing that Chicago is in the oh, in the front God. seat right now. Wouldn't that be quite the situation? Oh, here's David coming back on right now. Just to say, in the meantime, big Carson one supporter myself. I'm rooting for him, and I think he's still going to be think, good. I think Indy. Uh, cool. I I think Indy I really I hope he goes to Indianapolis. I, I believe you are a Colts fan. So do you want to yeah, elaborate on that? That's me. Yeah, I'm I'm a Colts <laughs> fan. I. And if you want to hear my thoughts on Carson Wentz, I think Wentz is honestly a pretty good quarterback, but I think that Chicago wouldn't be a good spot for him. Agreed. Um, I mean, you look at basically anything Chicago has, and Indianapolis just one-ups them. That is, assuming Allen Robinson is gone. Like, Chicago, you look at a bunch of guys at tight ends. So does Indy. Chicago O-line isn't great. Indy's O-line is great. Um, Both of them have a young receiving core. Indy just has more guys. Indy has a better coaching staff by a mile. It's the infinitely better spot for him, probably the better spot for the Colts, but I just think they might get out, get outbid. But one thing I will say is I expect Zach Ertz to be a Colt. Wow. I actually really like that fit. I do. And yeah. it would be awesome to see him link back with Wentz if they were to go to Indianapolis together. 
Um, if they aren't to get Wentz, though, I want to hear who is your favorite few picks to potentially become the Colts' starting quarterback in 2021 and follow that up with who you think will end up being. So uh, uh, a desire and a prediction from you. So my desire is, in my opinion, to just, if possible, try and trade up to get a rookie because that's obviously how you win in this league. You try and trade up, and even if it's Lance to develop, I trust Reich. I trust those guys to get him in there. I'm not even a big fan of Lance. Like, in my opinion, he shouldn't touch the field for at least 365 days. It's Agreed. just not a good ready. idea. Yeah, and even, even Patrick Jordan Mahomes didn't play for his season. Than Mahomes was. He had, like, one season of production at an NCS school that's – just about as raw as it gets. And, I mean, you turn on the tape and it, it, it's just evident there. So, in my opinion, you try and get one of those guys who has a bunch of traits. I mean, I am not the biggest Justin Fields guy. He has a bunch of trouble getting through his reads. I, pro- I think I like Wilson a little more going off my first evals. But I, I think that Fields has a higher potential. And in a place like Indianapolis, he can reach that potential. So, if he ends up falling down to the down in the board you can maybe call like if he gets even past Carolina which I doubt he will but if somebody gets past Carolina and Denver you can go to Dallas who has a bunch of needs and say hey look we're going to give you our first this year our first next year and change so I think that that's the first choice the second choice is probably to trade for Donald or Wentz because I'm going to be honest, with Dak gone, those are probably the two top quarterbacks available. I don't think anybody in free agency is has a bigger shot than those two specifically. I would probably say Wentz is a little more valuable just because of what he's shown in the league. So I would personally like Wentz, but I know Chicago is in. And I expect, honestly, I think that it'll be Sam Darnold. I think that it will. I think that, I mean, this was a front office that liked him a couple years ago. I mean, when there were rumblings about Indy trading Luck to Cleveland, it was always they're going to trade Luck and get Sam. It was never they're going to trade Luck and get Rosen. It was never they're going to trade Luck and get Allen because this was their their guy. And I think they're still going to see the traits in him. They can probably coach, coach him out and especially – a guy like Darnold, who I'm going to be honest, has had some of his better performance, who has had some flashes against Indy. And, I mean, he's played against Indy twice in his career. And in both of those games, he had some rough picks. But at the same time, he had that crazy play, like, week three this year to that. And that actually means a lot to these players, oddly, to these players and these GMs and these coaches, oddly enough. So... That is who I expect them to end up getting, but I would, I'd be fine with it. But I, the last thing I want is to be stuck with one of the free agents that isn't Dak Prescott, because Andy Dalton, point. Jacoby Brissett, unless if it's Jameis Winston, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in Winston, but if it's Dalton or Brissett or if it's Patrick, I mean the ceiling is really you get a six, you get a top half quarterback five games maximum in a sixteen game season which is just not enough. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion on it. I, what, are you, what are your thoughts? I, I understand where you're coming from with the Darnold fit. I actually think that's a better fit for Darnold, but I think that Reich has to go all in with Carson Wentz. And I'm not a big believer in Wentz, especially after last year, but I understand the circumstances where Jason Peters was playing left guard for most of the year, and it, it was just a mess. You know, Lane Johnson's hurt. Jason Kelsey's hurt. Like, all these guys are banged up. You know, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is is, sec- is his second uh, or third best receiver, so he's not in a good circumstance. But if you send that guy to Indy, right, he's playing behind the best offensive line unit in football. He's playing with a few good receivers, depending on if they retain T.Y. Hilton. I know he's going to test the waters in free agency, but I think Michael Pittman's a stud. You have Jack Doyle, right? You have these guys, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, they're not going to retain Marlon Mack, Jordan Wilkes. This is the best fit for Wentz, and I don't see why Reich wouldn't go all in. I think the Colts are one of those teams that are quarterback away from being true contenders, right? There's a few touch-ups. 
They, I think they need one or two more pass rushers. DeForest Buckner, you obviously stole him from us. He's the top two D half in football. Yeah, that's such a great You have to figure out the free safety position and maybe one more corner, but those are all things you can add on in free agency. I think if Wentz is in the right situation, he's with his guy that he had in Philadelphia back in his MVP-style year, sky's the limit for this Colts team, so why not go get Wentz? Cole, what do you think? I would completely agree. to get Wentz. I mean, I'm, I've been such a big Wentz supporter for all these years now. And I think, again, it, it, just him and Darnold have just this mental issue where they just can't get over themselves, and it's their confidence is at an all-time low at moments. And, again, I guess it's what sets them apart from other quarterbacks. It's a mental game as much as it's a physical game. And I think if Wentz can get comfortable, and hopefully by now he's recovered from his injury, I think he's probably had lingerings of it or thoughts about it. But... The change of scenery is so important, and even if Foles isn't in there, he's in there in spirit in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. So getting him out of there, hopefully not in the House of Horrors in, in Chicago, which is even worse. That's bad so for those teams. Putting him, putting him in, Indian, in Indianapolis is an awesome fit. Reuniting him with Reich, like I, I just, I just love it. I've been talking about that for four months now. Like I just absolutely love the fit. So I hope it happens. I do as well. I think that. It's an amazing fit, and I would personally prefer Wentz to Darnold. Not even just if I was any team, but like this is a team that can pay for it and all that. And the thing is, though, I would be shocked if Indianapolis created 21 because Indianapolis was incredibly hesitant to put 21 out there for Matthew Stafford. They were offering player pick packages. Like, they were offering, I think, their two. I mean, they want to pick at 21 because you cannot – I mean, if you're the Rams, you're looking at some crazy outcome that, I mean, I think I've written about this at Phenom before, that you cannot trade first-round picks every single season without dealing with massive cap problems. And if you're Mm -hmm. the Rams, sure, other than Ramsey, you can draft your entire secondary in the seventh round. But not everybody can do that. So if you just keep getting expensive contracts on the books, you just you can't exactly do that. And that's why I think that they're probably going to go after left tackle to keep a strength of strength in the, in the draft because Costanzo is a bunch of free money. And I think that from there you can really invest in a young guy. I really like Derrissaw personally. I mean, Derrissaw wouldn't entirely work in a zone scheme the same way that Rayshon Slater wouldn't work in a man block, like a power man blocking scheme. And Indianapolis runs more of that power scheme. So I really think that if Christian Derrissaw is at 21, he won't be there at 22. So I'd be surprised if India let up 21 just because they don't. Chris Ballard, in my opinion, has been pretty adamant on to why he's not going to trade that pick. I mean, if he didn't offer it for Stafford, let's face it, he probably won't for Wentz. Like, Reich's connections mm-hmm. aside, Stafford is going to get more than Wentz got more than what Wentz will. And I think although it's a better fit, they might get outbid. I think they might. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the bears ruining Wentz's career by being a little too ambitious with it. Mm-hmm. It's a good point right there. So to cap all this off, cause we're capping off the show right now. One, you give just quickly, no, no explanation, no elaboration. Your one boldest prediction for the offseason between now and the week one. Yeah. Um, I mean, my number like two or three again would be Ertz to Indianapolis because Philly can't pay him and Indy's got a bunch of, got like one tight end under contract next year. I need bolder than that. And bolder than that. Yeah. That's why I said that's two or three. Number one is, hmm, this is really tough, but I personally think that Deshaun Watson's going to go to Carolina. That would be quite the trade. It's pretty bold, but I think that here's the thing, right? Houston has expressed interest in multiple defensive starters. And Carolina, you look at, I mean, that's nowhere else but young talent there. You have Derek Brown, Yitter Gross Matos, Brian Burns, Dante Jackson, Jeremy Chin. I mean, I, like... Yeter Gross Matos would very likely be a Houston Texan in this scenario, along with maybe Dante Jackson as well, because they just don't have anyone who can cover. Yeah. All right. But in my opinion, that and I personally 
I don't know how bold this is, but I think Juju's going to be a Raider. Just going to throw it out there. Be quite the interesting fit. All right, thank you so much for coming on. I think that the Raiders are going to actually kind of screw the offseason up. (laughs) Not that Juju would screw it up for them, but I think that the Raiders are going to invest less in defense than most people think. I think that the Raiders are going to surprisingly invest almost as much as offense as they will in defense just because they're that kind of team. I mean, they've always gone with Gruden instead of Mayock. I mean, they went with Henry Ruggs, which was just 500% Gruden instead of Mayock. So I think that they're going to do it again. I think that the Raiders will – I mean, don't be surprised if the Las Vegas Raiders go out there and see if anybody passed – Arizona and just they might they might snag they might they might trade up for Jamar Chase they might even grab somebody like Elijah Vera Tucker in round one but don't be surprised if they end up you know drafting more offense than you think because that's what the Raiders have been doing this entire time all right thank you so much for that and we will hope to see you soon thank you yeah thank you thank you That's going to wrap up our show for tonight. Really good talks with uh, David and Phil and, of course, our Super Bowl talk. So we will see you next week. Got a big offseason coming up. And that's all for today's show. See you guys. Any last things besides to see you guys? No. I mean – Simple man. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. We're excited for another great show. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys.